It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It's a combination of cybercrime and insider trading, and it's aimed at the law firms doing the legal work for mergers. Manhattan federal prosecutors have charged three Chinese hackers with making more than $4 million in illicit profits by trading on information they got from breaking into the servers of top corporate law firms in New York. They would steal emails of partners working on mergers, but buy shares of target companies and sell them after the deals were announced. Our guest is Christian Berthelsen. He wrote about this for Bloomberg News. He is the Bloomberg News federal court reporter. Christian, it's a new twist on insider trading where you don't have to actually know and talk to an insider. Did they? How did they get into the systems? Yeah, this is a, a sort of a new twist on the insider trading prosecutions, which we've seen a lot of since the uh, sort of end of the financial crisis. Uh, in this case, the hackers seem to have started out by uh, stealing the logon information of, of, of law firm employees at these elite uh, transaction law firms, uh, and then using that access to then place malware that would allow them continued access to the system and to emails of partners that were working on the transactions. Uh, and it enabled them to to take an enormous amount of both data and email communications between partners who were working on the deals over uh, a bit more than a year's time from 2014 to 2015. And in those emails, they're getting all the details of these transactions because that's what the lawyers are talking about. Uh, it's correct. I mean, these, uh, in some cases, these were the partners who were directly responsible for uh, handling the legal work on the transactions. The information at their disposal was incredibly detailed and, of course, incredibly sensitive and, and secret at the time. Uh, so it gave these hackers a real bird's eye view into these transactions and how they were pricing and what the timing was on them and that sort of thing. Um, ultimately, some of the transactions were not consummated, uh, but it, it appears from the charging documents that in nearly all cases, they still wound up making money on them because you know, there would be media reports that uh, talks were in the works or in one case, another buyer swooped in and you know, the, the transaction that was being contemplated didn't happen, but then a second buyer came in uh, and took it over. And so they still they still wound up making money. They weren't always successful. During You write that during one six-month period last year, they allegedly tried on more than 100,000 occasions to break into the networks of five law firms. Was there something about the protection those law firms had that stopped them? I believe there were seven law firms that were targeted uh, by the group, uh, but only two whose networks were actually penetrated. So 
they did have difficulty accessing the systems of of five other firms uh, that were involved in these deals. Um, I mean, it, in, to try 100,000 times in six months, I think that works out to an attempt of about 500, 500 attempts per day, which suggests that they were using some kind of computerized program uh, to to attempt these hacks, and not, you know, not that they were sort of manually trying to key in each time. This isn't the first time that law firms have been hacked, is it? I, I think actually this is a relatively new wrinkle in the in the uh, hacking for insider trading uh, scheme. I mean, we've seen cases before where hackers access the networks of like PR Newswire and Business Wire, you know, companies that. Uh, that uh, publish uh, sensitive uh, deal information uh, when it's to be announced, and and so you, you've seen them sort of try to access information that way. But in terms of of attacking and hacking the law firms that are directly involved in the deal, uh, I don't think that's something we've seen before. Manhattan U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara says the case of cyber meat securities fraud should serve as a wake-up call for law firms around the world. So what will this wake-up call make them do? I, you know, it's one case. I don't know if it's possible to generalize about the, the quality of, of security uh, practices at law firms sort of across the industry. Uh, but I think any major law firm, particularly those that are working on transactional type of work, are probably likely going to take a look at their own systems and ensure that they've got sort of best practices when it comes to maintaining top security practices. Do we know how the federal prosecutors or the SEC discovered that this was going on? That is not uh, laid out in the documents that have been made public so far. I mean, the the enforcement agencies have have pretty detailed uh, means these days of seeing who is trading before announcements are made, or you know who is trading in securities that they don't frequently trade. Um, you know, all the basically all the indicia of in the people using insider information. Uh, to try and get ahead of the market. Uh, so it could have been detected in that way. Uh, it's just not clear. So this fits in with Preet Bharara's insider trading gold medals, I guess, because uh, <laughs> I can't think of any other federal prosecutor who has as many insider uh, trading prosecutions to his name. That's right. Well, I, that seems to have been a priority of his office since he he became U.S. attorney back in the aftermath of the financial crisis. Uh, you know, insider trading, of course, did not cause the financial crisis, but it is one of the more easily prosecutable white-collar crimes, financial-type crimes that are out there, as opposed to, you know, a fraud or a market manipulation. So the office has done a lot of those kinds of cases. Uh, they've more often actually focused on the insiders, you know, the, the uh, you know, members of boards of directors, uh, who are passing information to hedge fund managers, you know, as we saw in uh, some of the um, some of the cases involving uh, Rajak Gupta and Raj Rajaratnam uh, and others like it. Uh, but this is sort of again uh, sort of a new and different take. Where, as you pointed out earlier on, that this is not these are not actually insiders. These are people thousands of miles away with no apparent connection to anything. 
uh, who are gleaning inside information remotely. It really opens up a whole new door to insider trading, and perhaps we'll be seeing more of these kinds of prosecutions. Thank you for joining us on Bloomberg Law. That's Christian Berthelsen. He is Bloomberg News federal court reporter, and he wrote about this. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, how pool client accounts at U.S. law firms create a loophole in international anti-money laundering safeguards, and what lawyers should be doing about that. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.